So uh, we're continuing with emotions, and this morning I want to talk a little bit about how our emotions help make or sometimes completely make our choices for us. We make choices every day. You make choices to get up in the morning, and some of you will say, well, I don't make a choice to get up in the morning. I have to go to work, so I have to get up. Okay, well, you make a choice to be on time then, but you're making choices as you stand in the closet and stare at those clothes that haven't changed overnight and you're deciding what you're going to wear, you're making choices. You make choices of what to eat and when to eat, what to say and what not to say. So we want to talk about how our emotions affect that and what God's principles are about when we say things and do things and how he really helps us with those choices if we'll simply listen to him. So, as I said, our emotions often drive our choices. So let me give you a quick definition of emotions real quick. Emotions is defined as an instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, one's mood, or relationship with others. And I know some of you say, well, sometimes my circumstances, I, I don't have any control over that. Well, that's true, but you have a control over how you respond to those circumstances. In moods, man, do we see those swing several times in a few seconds. So our lives are fashioned by our choices. We make choices only to realize that our choices make us. I am who I am today because of choices I made yesterday. We can accept conditions the way they are, or we can accept a responsibility for changing them. This is the age that we are living in right now. We're living in this age for God's kingdom. We can choose to throw stones at one another. We can choose to walk on those stones, or we can choose to build with those stones. We can sit, we can complain, or we can just wait and do nothing. When in reality, we should be following Jesus each and every day. Theodore Roosevelt once said, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The second thing you can do is the wrong thing. The worst thing you can do is nothing. You are your choices. Destiny is the thing to be achieved through obedience from God, though. Proverbs in the fourth chapter, we read that an expression of emotions is often said to come from the heart. But also we read in Scripture in John that we should follow Jesus not our heart. We are challenged today to ask if we are building our life around emotions or are we building them around the Bible and around those biblical principles. So often we make decisions in the heat of the moment. I know nobody in this room except myself has ever had that knee-jerk reaction. Instead of taking a moment to think through it, we choose and choose as we think through it, choose the principle of trust, obedience, and faith in God we just react. I want you to know that nobody is exempt from being tested by God. So what test are you going through now? Or what test have you been through with God? Because God is going to stretch us. Will you be governed by the violent, ever-changing emotions? Or will you stand on God's principles? Are you basing your choice on feelings or on scripture? 
Do we examine our emotions? Or do we ignore them? Or better yet, do we blame someone else for the way we feel? Examining means to honestly, openly admit your feelings and seek to understand them. Most of the time we indulge them, though. And what that means is that we believe our emotions, we follow our emotions, and we won't question what is driving our emotions. Galatians 5.22 reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is the character of God. Yet we say when we make a decision that was bad, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Or as I said before, somebody else, well, everybody else was doing it, so I, I decided I, I needed to go ahead and do it. Or we even try, the devil made me do it. Here lies the connection between our emotions and the character of God. All those things that were listed in Scripture that we just read is the nature of our emotions through God. Scripture we must read and see his nature because that's our emotions. We are created in his image, again, which is all those things that we read in Scripture. How do you filter these things, things of anger, things of sorrow, things of fear, things of jealousy? You do it through a biblical lens. Look to Scripture to reveal the character of God. The character of God is in your choices. We are to love him, and we are to love each other. The biggest challenge in relationships comes from the fact that most people enter a relationship looking to see what they can get from something else or someone else, trying to find someone that will make them feel good. Often we are looking for the right person rather than trying to be the right person. In reality, the only way a relationship will last is if you enter in the relationship to give, not to take. The problem in relationships occur because the person is concentrating on what is missing in the other person. The best relationships are when the person's joy, the other person's joy is more important than yours. An intimate relationship with God frees us to care for other people. To enjoy this kind of relationship with God, we need to experience God. We need to experience God emotionally. Without emotion, our relationship with God will become nothing more than a distant, very, very distant, empty tradition. Followers that follow Jesus knew his voice. Jesus said that. They hear me. They know my voice. Are you hearing his voice? And the only way you can have emotional room for other people and connecting to other people is you have to have an emotional connection with God first. God has our back. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He forgives us. Hebrews 8, 12, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And he gives us courage and he guides us. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God gave us emotions to prompt us to do something. And since God says the commandments to love him and to love one another, and he goes on to say that 
that those commandments are above all other laws and all other prophets. They hang on those commandments. We should understand that emotions help us live healthy, healthy relationships with others, and help us stay connected with God. On the other hand, sometimes we listen to our emotions. We listen way, way too much to our emotions, and we let them replace God's word. We twist them to where our emotions can fit someplace in some scripture in two words that we think, yes, this is what God wants me to do. Proverbs 30, chapter 30, verse 6 says this, Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. We see today so many people say, you know what, the Bible is great, but it needs to be conformed to where we are today. That is so wrong. We need to conform to what God's word is. So how do we handle our emotions in a way that leads to a more satisfying relationship with God? <laughs> we look, just look through his word. Psalm 7, 9 says, Let the evil within wicked people come to an end, but make the righteous person secure. O righteous God who examines thoughts and emotions. You see, he cares about what you really feel. He cares about what you think not just about what you do. Daily life is full of emotions. A 2015 study in human emotions found that participants experienced at least one emotion 90% of the time during that day. And frequently they experienced both positive and negative emotions at the same time. And you know what? The study revealed that there's no gender difference in these results. We're all that way. You know, do you react to what you hear or what you see immediately, and you have that knee-jerk reaction? If your smoke detector goes off in the middle of the night and you hear that loud noise, do you jump out of bed, wake the family up, grab all personal uh, uh, items that are really, really important to you and run out of the house? Or do you check for reality? You see that something's wrong with a smoke detector and that there is no fire. Do you compare a noise, words, actions to the reality of the situation? When we experience various emotions, we must examine them and think. We must seek the truth. We must ascertain the true facts. Here's a way of accountability. Uh, in, in your experience with emotions. And I'm going to give Pastor Zeke credit for this. He came up with this acronym, and I found it very interesting. And it's just the word think. The word think is like this. If the T, just look to see what is true. And with the H, is it helpful? And with the I, is it inspiring? Are you really going to encourage somebody with what you say or what you do? In the end, is it necessary? And finally, the K, is it kind? You see, emotions are not a qualifier for the truth. Just because you don't like something doesn't allow you to determine that it's not true. If you're supporting a football team, forgive me, Oscar, if you're supporting a football team here, and it happens to be the Dallas Cowboys, this last year in playoffs, you knew they were going to the Super Bowl. And you got all behind them. And when they lost, they were terrible. 
and suddenly you hear the, oh, they're never going to be any good, this quarterback's never going to do this, and you're going to go back and forth, and suddenly your emotions begin to walk away from where they were before. This is just one example of how our emotions go up and down. Ladies, if you see some, a lady that's wearing a dress, and it is ugly, I mean absolutely ugly, the colors don't match, the dress doesn't look good on her, and you think, I need to say something, because maybe she's your friend. And so you say, that's the ugliest dress I've ever seen. Is it true? Well, maybe so. Maybe it is. Is it helpful? Well, sure it is. I, I don't want her to, people to laugh at her. Is it inspiring? Yes, you encourage her to do something a little different than what she's doing. Is it necessary? Absolutely. Otherwise, she's going to keep wearing these ugly dresses. Is it kind? Absolutely not. So you've gone T-H-I-N, which is thin, and that's the ice you're walking on when you have that conversation with this lady. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mouth. Emotions can help us connect with God in a healthy way on an emotional level. I'm going to encourage you. I'll give you a homework, couple of homework assignments. I want you to read the 63rd Psalm, just the first eight verses. And you're going to see David in his emotional connection to God. David is ex exiled in the wilderness, and he's lovesick for God. He longs to be able to love God. He praises God. He worships, worships God passionately every day. God's anointing presence satisfies David like nothing else before. And God is, passion, is the passion that David pursues. And he hangs on to that. And then he feels God's grip on his life. Our expressions of our own emotions needs to take on needs not to take on anything from God. We're not taking anything from God, or we're not using God as a, as a dumping ground for our feelings. It's about recognizing our need for God, as David did. David's emotional needs shifted from himself to God, to God's power, to God's mercy, and to God's satisfaction with David, and his, he's, his with him. Sometimes the holes in our lives like weakness and overpowering emotions are symptoms of our need for God. We express our, if we express our vulnerability, this is okay with God. When we do this, then we experience God as he lives in our lives, and we experience his grip on our lives. When we express our vulnerability to God, we feel a calm peace knowing and experience that intimate relationship with God. The emotional connection with God helps us value the emotional connection with others. In other words, experiencing encouragement, experiencing comfort, experiencing tenderness and compassion in our own relationship with God will enable us to share those things with others. On the other hand, if we harbor anger, we're not calling and we're not calling out to God for help. If we're bottling up emotions, we show limitations, we become prideful, we become selfish, we become self-consumed. And scripture deals with that. John, I mean, in James 1, beginning in the 19th verse, we read, My dear brothers, take note of this. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about righteous life God desires. Emotions often react to things that sound interesting. We hear something and it's like, that sounds good. That sounds like fun. Or that sounds like work. And so I don't want to have anything to do with it. But we have those initial reactions. There's a difference between something that interests you and you decide that you want to do it and a commitment. When you're interested in something, what do you do when it's inconvenient? Yeah, you walk away from it. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses. The only thing you accept is results. It takes a deep commitment to make changes in your life. It takes a deeper commitment with those changes to continue to grow your life closer to God. Abraham Lincoln said, commitment is what transforms a promise into reality. Lou Holtz, who was a football coach in college and in the pros, said this, if you don't make a total commitment to whatever you are doing, then you start and the boat starts leaking, you will bail immediately. Look at the disciples who questioned some of the things that Jesus was teaching or didn't understand them, but yet they had integrity to keep following him. Look at Peter. I will die for you, Lord, to I don't know the man. Commitment is an act. It's not just a word. If the past is not resolved, future relationships will suffer. You cannot run forward looking backwards, or you can't run very far if you do that. In your heart, let your heart be healed and truly repent and grant forgiveness, even to yourself. And that's extremely important. So often we forget to forgive ourselves. We go, we'll forgive others, but I'm not going to forgive myself for what I did. God wants you to forgive yourself. Remember that the best relationship is one in which you, your love for each other exceeds your love for yourself. But forgive yourself. Ask for forgiveness and repent. Then go a step further. And this one's a hard one to do, folks. Ask for a deeper conviction. Ask God, what is it in my life that I have hurt you by doing or saying? Sometimes we just want to glaze over those and go, yeah, I said that. I just said, God, forgive me. And I just moved on. And then we do it again. It's like, okay, God, tell me what really hurts you. Then you can truly change them. Ask God to open your heart and mind to what he wants you to do, not what you think is important. Ask him to guide you. Guide your feelings and to guide your emotions. Billy Graham said, God's love is not a passing fancy or superficial emotion. It is a profound and unshakable commitment that seeks what is best for us. How God handles emotions is the way we should handle our emotions. The Lord is merciful and the Lord is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy upon mercy upon mercy. 
Well, this is easier said than done. It is the truth. If we overflow with forgiveness, love, grace, and patience, our emotions become more positive and more, more useful. Do not miss a blessing from God because your emotions are negative. We must follow the character of God in the way we live, and we must live in the truth. We can quiet our soul in this area if we're struggling again through Scripture. Look at 2 Timothy, the first chapter, the seventh verse. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Often as believers, we think we should not feel the way we feel. Sometimes we think, I, I shouldn't be afraid. Scripture tells me not to, not to be afraid, not to fear. God is with me all the time. I shouldn't be afraid. But I am afraid. If you're afraid, what are you afraid of? And again, soul search yourself. For being afraid in and of itself is not a bad thing. If somebody points a gun at you, you should be very afraid. Running across the freeway should scare the heck out of you. But you should go back and try to figure out, why am I running across the freeway? And it's okay to fear. It's okay to be afraid. Because let me say this. Do you fear the Lord? You should. That respectful fear for God is extremely important in your life. When your emotions want to drive your choices and your decisions, stand on the principles of God. Do you trust God more than you do your doctor? Would you go to a doctor that if you went in there and you were feeling very, very ill, and the doctor said, I tell you what, take a couple of aspirin and call me in the morning. When in reality you find out that you have cancer. You need to have the truth in order to address the issue at hand. You know, Jesus had followers that drifted away from him. You know why? Because he never allowed the crowd to control the truth. We see that so often today to where the media comes on or social media or whatever it is and suddenly they say it over and over again and suddenly for so many people that becomes the truth. It's not a principle of God. God is the truth. There was a fourth grade teacher who was recovering from surgery when she got a card from her class and the card read, Dear Mrs. Fisher, your fourth grade class wishes you a speedily, speedily recovery by a vote of 15 to 14. Don't let others guide your recovery. Pick up the Bible, read Job, all his, quote, friends that he had. He needed to rely and depend upon God. Examining our emotions means dealing with the truth, regardless of what you think or how you should or shouldn't feel. Your relationship with God, and keep in mind, he knows your heart, will not be close if you refuse to admit your true feelings or thoughts. It's okay to be mad at God. I don't know how many of you in here, I am one, that has yelled at God. Did not understand what was going on was extremely perturbed at God. 
And there are those, and I am included in, the, in this category also, where God guides you in a particular direction. And as things begin to go well, you turn to God and say, I got it from here. So ask yourself, why do you feel what you feel? This means no excuses, no blame game, no dumping on them, no dumping on God. Ask yourself, what do the feelings reflect about my trust and faith in God? Let me repeat that. Ask yourself, what do your feelings reflect about the truth and faith I have in God? You find a truth when you rely on God. I'm going to go through three principles real quick. These principles are trust, faith, and obedience. You live the truth when you trust God. God's principles and our emotions often come into conflict. But when we stand on his principles, you'll be doing the right thing. Look at the principle of trust. And again, a homework assignment. Pick up your Bible, read Genesis 22, the first 10 uh, verses in that chapter. Abraham has been told to take Isaac to the wilderness and to sacrifice him. Abraham has got to be confused as anybody. Here's a child that God has promised him, and now God says, I want to take this young man. We're going to sacrifice him. In our lives, we've all been confused by some direction God has given us. But do we trust him? Or do we go, that can't be God? And as things go on, we go, well, maybe it is God. I don't want it to be God because I don't want to do this. Proverbs 3, 5 says, "In the Lord, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend upon your own understanding. And in the 34th Psalm, we read, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who trust him. Then there's a principle of obedience. Abraham was obedient. You see in the third, I think, to the sixth verse. You see Abraham not understanding what's going on. He's gathering wood and getting his servants and a donkey to get Isaac out to the wilderness. And it's like, what in the world am I doing? But he's obedient. You see, this is where the principle of obedience is tested. Are we doing the will of God? Are we doing what he calls us to do? And again, in Scripture, Philippians 2.8 tells us that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. So we trust in the Lord and we're obedient to the Lord. And the last one I want to touch on is the principle of faith. In the last three verses of that 7 to 10 in that chapter, Abraham also had faith. He had faith that God had a purpose in doing what he was doing. He didn't understand it, didn't want to do it, but God wanted him to do it. So even as Isaac is asking Abraham, where's the lamb we're going to sacrifice as he's tying him up? Abraham has faith in God. And there it is, the sacrifice that Abraham will make, and it won't be Isaac. 
You know, one principle of faith can be found in Luke in the seventh chapter, the 50th, ver- 50th verses. Jesus was talking to the woman that was having the bleeding issue. He simply said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So we have often heard that I'm not a product of my circumstances. I'm a product of my decisions. It's in your moments of decisions or choice making, whether in anger or whether in love, that you shape the next few steps. Often you shape your destiny. You know, sometimes I've thought it's better not to know so much than it is to know some things that are not so. And again, we are inundated today with things that are not biblically correct, that are not true, are not what God's word says. Yet we hear them over and over again And we begin to think, you know, that's what everybody else is doing, so I guess that's what I should be doing. God forbid that we would live in a world that is full of untruth. That's where we are. You know, we hang on John 16, 13, when we read, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the truth. So in all we say... And all we do, show these three things. Show care, compassion, and concern with those around you. God, God guides you. And when he guides you, there may be a setback. But he can use that setback as a setup to a comeback in your life. Lorena, often what we do... What we do not want to do is what we need to be doing. And God needs us to do that. So we have to have trust. We have to be obedient. And we have to have faith in God. Folks, your past is a point of reference. It's not a point of residence. You do not have to live there. So here's a question I want to leave you with. Do you strive to share the truth. And if you do and you ask, but my life is messed up, I have so many challenges and everything in my life, ask yourself this. Are you doing what God wants you to do? And if so, then maybe you can understand why the devil is after you. Do not put a period in a sentence that God has put a comma in for your life. Amen?